love and mahabba for Nabi sallallahu is to learn about him, to read his seerah, to learn about his noble akhlaq. These different things, they build a relationship, a connection with Nabi sallallahu They allow a person to love him and, and like out of that love and gratitude and shukr for him, salawat becomes easy, performing salawat on Nabi sallallahu as well as obeying the commands and following the sunnah. All this stuff becomes easy. Similarly, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a person builds that connection and ta'aluq with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he understands who Allah is, his creator, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes easy when he has the love for Allah. And the best way to connect and learn about Allah is through his kalam, Kitabullah, the Quran. So, a, per, a person that builds, the, uh, that learns, um, the Qur'an is a guide sent by Allah to His creation, from the Creator to the creation, a guidance to mankind. And so a person, if he makes the effort, he or she makes the effort to understand what Allah SWT wants from them, what Allah SWT is communicating to them, then that builds that relationship and connection and that love for Allah. And it becomes easy to obey Allah and His Messenger. So alhamdulillah, in the, we have this great opportunity every Tuesday after Maghrib Salah, Mufti Azim conducts his tafsir. We'll be continuing on with Surah Hazab. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq and the ability to benefit from such gatherings, to build that connection, build that relationship with the Qur'an, and um, to get closer to Allah. Akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. There's some requests for du'as. A local musalli at MSI, a daily musalli, uh, Sayyid Husseini has recently passed away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him, inshallah. Um, we'll make a short dua for him. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatun wa fil akhirati hasanatun wa qina adab al-nar. Allahumma arham mawtana, Allahumma arham mawtana, Allahumma arham mawtana. وَجَعَلْ قَبْرَهُ نُورًا Ya Allah, Ya Allah, please forgive this brother, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. Accept him, Ya Allah. Give him high ranks of Jannah, Ya Allah. Grant him Jannah al-Firdaus, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect him from the punishment of the grave, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make it easy for his family that are suffering, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, heal all that are sick, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. ربنا أتينا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار شر لا إله أنت أفرق وأتوب عليك أنا أبيك الحمد لله رب العالمين the students of knowledge they'll be here for two more days inshallah all the brothers are requested to benefit spend some time um, build iman inshallah jazakallah khair
Respected elders and brothers, uh, dear listeners, mothers and sisters, students, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most gracious, most merciful, is giving me, giving you all this opportunity to sit with his book, with his kalam, with the intention of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As was just mentioned after Salat al-Maghrib, one of the great ways of getting close to Allah azza wa jal is by studying his book. And uh, Allah Azza wa Jal gives this tawfiq to his chosen servants to become students of knowledge. So when we come here for our weekly tafsir, we should definitely renew our intention and tell ourselves that we're here as students of the Qur'an. And we're here as salikin, uh, people walking towards uh, Allah Azza wa Jal's pleasure. We are tulab and, and seekers of Allah Azza wa Jal's pleasure. So all of the etiquettes of a student of knowledge, we should try our best to keep them in mind and implement them when we attend uh, this weekly lesson. And as has been mentioned previously, that the number of intentions that you make, that is how many rewards you will get. The, more, the greater the intention, the greater the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be with us. If a person makes intention, if a person makes niyyah that I'm going to try to uh, not only uh, listen attentively, but I'm going to also make niyyah practicing. And then along with practicing, I'm going to inshallah wa ta'ala propagate this. So this all will immediately Allah Azza wa Jal will, uh, uh, immediately Allah Azza wa Jal will add this into the, the rewards uh, for all of us. If a person makes just simple niyyah that let me just go check out, let me just go listen, my friends are going, let me go see this, that. Then your, your rewards, your take home from that is going to be very less. But if we, if we renew our niyyah, that we say, Allah, I'm here to seek you. I want your pleasure. I want your happiness. I want this dars of tafsir to become a means of my heart being filled with your love and the love for everything that you do, dislike to be taken out of my heart. All right? The hatred for all that which you hate and the love of that all that you love. That's my niyyah. That is why I'm here. Then Allah Azza wa Jal will definitely fulfill your niyyah, your intention and will grant you that. And... Immediately we should make niya practicing whatever we hear and propagating. And as we all, I always mention in every dars that also we should make niya, Ya Bari Allah, whatever I need to hear in my life, whatever situation I'm going through, whatever difficulty I'm going through, Ya Allah, allow me to hear that which is uh, pertinent and will give me an answer to that. And Alhamdulillah, I'm so excited to share that uh, whenever I say this, regularly after a talk, after a dars, people will come up to me, one or two individuals will be the ones who will make the effort to come and share this with me that you know, alhamdulillah, whatever they were looking for. Some, just this over this past weekend when I was traveling, a person came to me and said, some questions I've been suffering with, problems I'm going through for the past 15 plus years, alhamdulillah, today in this one hour I got that answered. And he was emotional, he was crying. And I thought, subhanallah, you know, look at how Allah takes care of His creations. When people have talab, when people have genuine need, then Allah Azza wa will send the people and will share and I'll inspire them to say what is needed most for that individual. So this is all going back to Allah Azza wa Jal. You know, we turn to Him, we say, Allah, let me hear what I need to hear. And inshallah, you know, like how 
Previously, people used to argue over when there used to be one television and we don't have, the, we thought the one television was bad. Uh, it was called the shaitan box, a devil box. And people used to throw it out. They'd go come back from the masjid and then throw out the TV. Famous stories. <laughs> but what's happening now? We come back, we say, oh, I've, I've been gone for so long. Let me buy a new iPhone. Right? You've been missing me for so long. So this is the, the new era that we're in. That instead of taking out the devil box, we bring in 20 more devil boxes into the house. So when that devil box was there, what used to happen, you'd only have one person could control the channel and everyone used to fight over it. But with the, the various mini Dajjals available in everyone's hands, everyone can control their own channel as they wish. That's a sad part about it. But I was just saying it in a positive perspective here, is that when we are speaking with Allah Azza wa Jal, then we have our private channel. We can, even though it's one broadcast, but you can fine-tune it to your own needs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you what you need to hear. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, Ya amanu, O believers, Remember Allah Azza wa Jal abundantly. And exalt Him early morning and late afternoon. So one of the, uh, the from, uh, from this point onwards, Allah Azza wa Jal in this ayah especially, is addressing specifically the believers and He's asking the believers, the people of Iman, to do something. He's asking the people of Iman to remember Allah profusely. The disbeliever needs to remember Allah so that he can become a Muslim. But a Muslim, a, a, a person of Iman, he also, in order to retain his faith, and in order to increase his faith, he or she must remember Allah. But how much? Allah said, kathira, abundantly. You may remember a few weeks back when we covered the first verse, the first page of the 22nd Jews, we covered the ayah, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ In that beautiful ayah, we covered, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ those who remember Allah profusely, males and females. Notice, you may remember that when we covered that ayah, we said that kafira, the word kafira, which means abundantly, is not mentioned with any other deed. It's not mentioned with salah. It's not mentioned with fasting. It's not mentioned with zakah. It's only mentioned with dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's only mentioned with the dhikr of Allah. Because dhikr of Allah is something that a little bit is not sufficient. It's not good enough. It's good, but not good enough. You need a lot. Like when a person, you know, part of our... Natural diet, we have to eat various types of fruits and vegetables and, and proteins and things of that sort. And of course, you have to drink water as well. But if, the, if a physician says that, you know, you are becoming dehydrated, or based on your blood test results and this, and your, your GI says, you know, the doctor says, you've got other various issues, you need to drink a lot of water. You, you need to avoid kidney problems, etc. So he emphasizes, drink a lot of water, eight glasses, ten glasses, whatever the case may be. Now a person becomes, you know, uh, aware of this and he measures how much he's drinking right and it's always of course healthy very healthy to drink a lot so he's not just drinking once a day but drinking measured he's saying how much did I drink right did I finish this big bottle did I finish this half a liter bottle one liter bottle so this is the way dhikr of Allah Azza wa is not sufficient that we do a little bit Allah wants us to do abundantly another thing is that just like well, number one is that no other command Allah Azza wa says kathira in the Quran it's only re referring to dhikr Number two, Allah Azza wa did not give it a very, did not specify what does kafira mean. He left it open-ended. Kafira a lot. Push yourself until you feel that you have, you know, done enough. Like Zamzam. May Allah take us all to the Harabin al-Sharifain soon. And may Allah allow us to drink Zamzam over there. The Prophet ﷺ said, the one who drinks Zamzam, how much Zamzam should you drink? He said, until you feel it in your lungs, until you feel it in your chest rather, until you feel it in your chest, you drink and drink and drink until you really feel that you can't drink more. 
And he, then the Prophet said, this is the sign of a mu'min. A munafiq can't drink much. He will drink a little bit and he'll leave it. A mu'min will force himself to drink more and more. Now when you hear this hadith about the virtues of drinking zamzam, then you'll push yourself really to, to drink you know, more than, you, than an average person. So dhikr is something that every one of us re- is required, must do to keep our iman in check. What is dhikr? It's so general. Remembrance of Allah. It is true. Performing salah is also dhikr. What is Allah says? وَأَقِيمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي Establish salah for my remembrance. The maqsad and the purpose of praying, what we just prayed right now, is a remembrance of Allah. So if I just prayed my maghrib, my two rakat sunnah, or six rakat awabin, I prayed the nafil, but in it, I didn't remember Allah. And at the end of it, I wasn't motivated to raise my hands and make dua. Right? In it, I don't remember what I prayed. Behind the Imam, I don't know what he recited. My ruku and sujood were very quick. I don't even know how many times I said, Subhan Rabbi Al-Azim and Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la. My beloved friends, ask ourselves, did we fulfill the purpose of that prayer then? The purpose of that prayer was to remember Allah Azza wa Jal. And if at the end of the prayer, I'm not motivated to make dua to Allah, I'm not motivated to, you know, sh- sit and do a few tasbih, then what gold, what, what, you know, what did that salah give us? If it doesn't allow us to remember Him while we're praying, how will it keep us in check after we finish the prayer? That is why as some brothers and scholars have said so beautifully, that that salah which doesn't get you your, your, your daily bread, how will it save you from the fire of hell? How will it save you from the punishment of the grave? If the salah is so weak that it cannot even get you your daily bread. Meaning the smallest of things we should be able to get through our prayers is our needs get fulfilled. So everyone ask himself, does my salah bring me closer to Allah? Does my salah make it, does it bring me in a state of istihdar, where I am genuinely feeling I'm in the presence of Allah Azza wa Jal. And uh, you know, if we're not, then we need to improve. And we can't continue our, our life like this. We were, you know, one of the pieces of advice that we hear and we share with parents of younger children is that there's certain things you got to do when, you know, as parents, we have to do it for our kids when they're young, otherwise they suffer the rest of their life. And one of those things is like you say, give them a habit of brushing the teeth twice a day, you know, or thrice a day, and spend two minutes, right? The dentist will give you all the details of that. Someone else will give you the details of exercise. Someone else will tell you the details of nutritionist, uh, good eating habits. You know, these are habits that must be created when we're young. So one of the habits that we must create within ourselves and our children and hopefully, you know, create in ourselves, number one, and then our kids, is performing salah properly. Right? Slowly. Timed. When we were here long ago, 10, 12 years ago, when, I had, when the, the Alam course was not where it is today, or just had begun, a lot of emphasis was in the Hifz program. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, we're blessed to have beautiful uh, Hifz teachers now who are taking on that mantle in a, even a more beautiful manner. But I remember one of the things was that we met... Time how long, four rakat sunnah before Dhuhr, let's take a time. It's 8.30 now, or two, at that time, Dhuhr time will be like 2 o'clock. All right? You can't do it in less than four minutes. If you're doing it, you're going to repeat your salah again. All right? Quick, all right, go ahead, stand up again, repeat. We're going to wait. Everyone's got to pray it, at least it's going to take you four minutes. And if we get that habit every single day at home, to slow the pace down of ourselves and our children, then inshallah, this is going to be set with them for life. But if we have... If we don't monitor this, really, my dear brothers and sisters, if some of us haven't learned this when we're young, now we're 40, 50 years old, we don't know how to pray slowly. 
right? Allah forgive us. We know who we are. We know what the quality of our prayer is. It goes back down to the habits we, were, we unfortunately didn't create when we were young. And because of which we were paying the price for it until now. And now you're 60 years old, 50 years old. And who even reflects? Who, how many of us even look at the watch and say, okay, how long did my salah at home, my maghrib at home, my isha at home, my fajr, my sunnah took? It, most of us don't even consider that this is something to think about. And if someone else sees us praying fast, they're not going to come up to us and say that. And if they did, oh boy, that would be, you know, make us very upset and say, you will say, mind your own business, etc., etc. Things of that sort, which are incorrect. So we have to, that's why do muhasaba ourselves. Take stock of our own quality of our salah. Measure the time. It's not just that I think I did okay. No, for every single thing, we focus on improvement. How can we improve? How can we, you know, do better than what we did yesterday? Similarly, that must be the condition of our prayer. That must be the condition of the prayer. And if we reflect on what I just said, are we, am I in a state of dhikr when I finish my prayer? Did I literally, I just prayed. Do I remember Allah now? Or was it the same when I was driving here, when I was sweating, running around the running track, playing basketball? The level of dhikr of Allah there and the level of the dhikr after I prayed my maghrib is the same. Then there's definitely some serious flaw in my maghrib. Because after the prayer, I genuinely should feel that I'm miles closer to Allah Azza wa Right? I made a huge leap. I put my head in front of Him. I've just glorified Him 50 times in my prayer. I spoke to Him. How can I not feel different than when I was at home? And similarly, if you're at home praying, how can it not be that at dinner time, work time is different than, is not different than the time when we put our musallah down and we're secluded with Allah Azza wa Jal. So mashallah, we have a group of people who are regular in our salahs. That's our expectations from each other. Alhamdulillah, we got that down. But we need to ensure that, it's not, that we don't stop there. We have to ensure that this quality is present. In al-munkar, the Quran says, indeed, prayer prohibits and holds back a person from acts of lewdness and sin. And the ulama explained that that means if the salah is of quality, then a person cannot sin after performing salah. How can it be that he's sinning and praying, sinning and praying, sinning and praying? It means he genuinely doesn't know what he's doing. It's just, oh, I had a habit. My mom and dad made me pray, so I'm just going to pray. Which is good. Alhamdulillah, we're better than someone who's not praying. But the soul of that salah is not present. It's not possible that you can go pray and stand in front of Allah and then go ahead and sin. I've shared a story before of, of back you know, in Kankakee when we were there in a small town. When one of my classes, a classmate came up to me after, after you know, one of the classes and said, oh, you seem to be a Muslim. You know, this is a community college where there's like no Muslims at all. And when I said yes, immediately, you know, I just said, oh, how long you been here? I said, born here, and my father's a physician and things of that sort. We're just talking about that, how, why, we're, why, why we're sitting in KE. So she's told me, she said, if I ever would go to a doctor, I'll definitely go to a, a Muslim doctor. SubhanAllah, why are you saying that? So I asked, why do you say that? Right? And the answer, what she gave is, is an amazing answer. May Allah give us the haqiqah of this non-Muslim, what she said, may Allah give her hidayah. She said that, you know, I saw a Muslim, I saw a Muslim, a man from Egypt who came to our town, and he was, uh, for some work he had come, and he had used that, you know, couch surfing or whatever they call it, and he ended up staying at their house. And he came there for some work, all the way from Egypt. And he said, she said that he would pray, you know, do his work, and then he would join us for meals, and he would, play, you know, join us for whatever else, act, fun activities we did at home, etc. And I'm thinking, where's the story going? You know, in the middle of nowhere, this guy came from Egypt and staying at someone's house. But then she said that whenever it was certain times of the day, he would stand up immediately and say, I gotta go pray. 
whether it was a game of soccer, whether it was uh, mealtime, whatever, he would stand up and go pray. He said, I noticed how punctual he was in his prayer and how you take, him out, take time out no matter, while there's not a single person in that whole area praying, he'd be praying to his God. So from there I realized that Muslims are very God conscious. So look at her logical deduction. She says, that means a Muslim doctor is also going to be like that. All, the, all Muslims are like that. Muslim doctor, Muslim engineer, Muslim you know, lawyer, whatever. They're all going to be praying. And if you're going to pray five times a day, that means you're extremely God conscious. You're conscious of a higher being looking at you. And if this higher being is looking at you, then you're going to be afraid of disobeying him. Hence, you're going to make sure that you don't cheat and you don't uh, you know, mess around with your customers, with your patients, with your clients. And I'm so afraid the way well, I hear the news, how you know, medical practitioners defraud people, you know, and uh, what you call uh, write for order, uh, order tests that are not necessary, and do all kinds of stuff, fraud and stuff like that. So if I have a Muslim doctor, I know he would never do that. Because he just prayed salah, how could he do that? <laughs> SubhanAllah. And I'm thinking there, I'm like, SubhanAllah, if only, you know, only if she knew what the condition of the ummah is. And only if we had the yaqeen that she had, that salah is what will hold a person back. Now, let's ask ourselves as Muslim musallis, we all have our own businesses. Does really our praying our salah hold us back from what we want to do? As soon as we get out of prayer, do we immediately stop doing what we are about to do? Does it, do we immediately hold back ourselves from saying, no, this is something which I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do anymore. Right? This is, the quality of our salah is important. Another point, my dear friends, is the da'wah through actions is powerful. That when you pray, Make this niyyah publicly when you pray, or you do anything publicly, always make this niyyah. Allah, make my action a means of guidance. You don't know who's watching you with what niyyah. Your each sajda and each rukur can definitely, especially if it's quality. What type of effect will the non-Muslim have on, on their heart when our prayers up and down kiss the ground, two rakah within you know, a minute? Oh, yeah. They say, what is this? Oh, that was a nice, is that a new type of yoga? Right? What is it? That's what we're going to ask. Is that a new type of exercise which I wasn't aware of? That's pretty interesting stretches, daily stretches. It will definitely not leave any type of impression on their heart. Because it's, it's soulless. But when you make that ruku long, when you make that sajda long, you make that tashahud long, and you genuinely speak into Allah Azza wa Jal, people can see that. Non-Muslims can see that. Muslims can see that. Everyone can see that. And whether you are, regardless of what niyyah you're doing with, they will be affected by your quality of your salah. So I'm saying this for my own self, number one. And then for all of us here. That let's all make niyyah to create the, the aspect of dhikr within our prayer. Because Establish salah for my remembrance. And that if it's not happening in salah, where else do you expect it to happen? Remember Allah abundantly. So salah is one form of dhikr. Dua is another form of dhikr. Beautiful dua. And a dua is one of the most powerful forms of dhikr. When you raise your hand and speak to Allah, you cannot speak to Allah if you don't, you're not thinking about Him. And that's why one of our uh, my, uh, teachers would encourage us that in the, in the dhikr, he would say, I'm sorry, in dua, he would say, make a habit of making dua sirran. Quiet dua. Dua from the heart without even moving your tongue. Let your heart do the talking to Allah. So raise your hand like this and let your heart speak. And in order for our heart to speak to Allah Azza wa Jal, my beloved brothers and sisters, what does that require? It requires a genuine connection of our heart with Allah. How can you sit there for 10 minutes like this without moving your lips and tongue and then have your mind somewhere else? It doesn't it work. In order for you to be involved in your dua, your heart needs to be present. 
in order for you to be asking Allah with your, you know, your heart needs to be present. And so this is what we are learning from dhikran kathira is to seek Allah Azza wa Jal's remembrance through dua. Then, of course, you have your morning and evening duas. Bismillahilladhi la yadurra and so forth. Then you have our tasbihat after every salah. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. And then a daily wird that we should keep. For example, 100 istighfar every single day, 100 salawat every single day, morning and evening, right? 100 times, subhanallah, subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanallah al Do you remember the other day we talked about that the one who recites 100 times, subhanallah, what happens? Who remembers that? Okay, and? 100 hajj? And no one, mashallah, 100 hajj? 100 hajj, if you say subhanallah, right, 100 times. And, and a, a reward of that, and then no one else will do, no one else will get more reward except for the one who did more than dhikr than you. So, subhanallah wa bihamdi. And if you say that, subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanallah al azim, or subhanallah wa bihamdi 100 times. Additionally, even if you committed sins equivalent to the foam of the oceans, Allah Azza will forgive that. Simple things. So, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna remember this, nor will you remember, unless you write it down. You make a list next to your bed and say, This is my goals. Before I got to bed, do a checklist. We all are, mashallah, corporate people have backgrounds and all sorts of checklists and every, every single thing is an app and every single thing is, mashallah, in an organized manner. Right? The oil chain has to be done. The entire rotation has to be done. The waters need, the trees need to be planted. Fulan, this, every single thing, mashallah, tartib. That tartib needs to be brought into the dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. That every morning and evening, I have to have a checklist. Tape it in your car. Right? When you're going to work, when you're driving to school, make sure you're taking care of that. Keep it next to your bed. And before you go to bed, make sure you look at it and see if I've done that. This is what we encourage the students to do and I encourage all of you to do it as well. We have, you know, um, I could share with any of you who's interested. We have a sheet that's got the, you know, various adkar and amal on it for the month. And you check it. You can make your own, you can download it, you can get it from me, whatever the case is. Right? And you take a look at it. This is, too, I can't do this. Let me start off. And of course, I would encourage everyone to start off with a basic farayl and a, some adkar. And then after you've done very well on that for a month or two, three weeks, then you can add one more, one more. And thereby, a leading a life in which you're always in the state of consciousness. Your consciousness of Allah Azza wa Jal through the state of, of dhikr. Remember Him morning and evening. So that's why you got your Fajr and Maghrib or Fajr and Asr time. Spend a little bit of time after Fajr and Maghrib. Spend a little time after Fajr and Asr. I would encourage the brothers who pray Maghrib here regularly, pray Isha here regularly, pray Fajr here regularly, or any other masjid. The best thing is don't rush back home. Give yourself five minutes. Five minutes, just make it in your mind that I'm not gonna stand up from my place of salah for the next five minutes. This is the best thing. Pull out your tasbih and do it. Whatever, you, whatever is waiting for you, you know, outside or at home, it can wait for another five minutes. It's not gonna die. You came here to pray salah, already you took out 10 minutes to do that. You can add definitely another 5 minutes. So that's the best way to do that. That Connect it. I ask my teachers all the time, how do I keep myself regular in afkar? And that's what they, this is their advice to me. Connect it with a prayer. Take fajr, maghrib, isha. Take one of those salahs and connect the afkar with that. Second thing is, have a, have a dedicated salah after which you're going to make dua. One salah a day at least. That after which you're going to make a lengthier dua. Choose it. Aisha is a nice one. I like Aisha. You know, usually it's done by the end of the day, finish. If you're a morning person, 
Fajr is, is great, but you just got to make sure you don't fall asleep. <laughs> but, you know, those are, those are the times, Fajr, Isha, or any time you're calm, you're, nothing is, you're not stressed out. Sit there, let everything zone out, zone out from everything else, and do your, do your dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal. The Prophet said in, in a beautiful hadith, Ala amalikum, malikum, malikikum. Shall I not inform you of the very best actions? And it's most pure in the malikikum by your king, by your lord. And it's most lofty in your levels. Meaning it will push you the furthest in your levels. And it is much more better for you than spending of gold and silver. SubhanAllah. Well, that's good to be. Best of actions, most pure in the sight of your Lord, will push up your levels the most. Better for you than spending gold and silver. Better for you than coming face to face with your enemy. And then you, you, you fight with them and they fight with you. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what is this action that is better than all of this? He said, Dhikrullah Ta'ala. The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is by far the best thing. Now you wonder, how is this possible? Because if a person is in a constant state of dhikr, what will happen is that he will have the ability to obey Allah no matter what the occasion is. No matter when, where, what, how. If you're in a state of dhikr, you will do what Allah asks you to do. But if we're not in a constant state of dhikr, we may feel like doing something. Like today I'm in a mood of it. So I'm going to come pray. Three, four salahs in the masjid. Tomorrow I'm not in a mood. So Allah forbid I sleep through. Today you can't work like that. That's why dhikr of Allah has been told, has mentioned the most virtuous deed even than jihad, zakat, everything. Because if you have dhikr down, everything will be down. If you got dhikr corrected, everything will be correct. But if dhikr is not there, then everything will fall apart. My dear brothers, you know, and sisters, this is why I, I encourage us, you know, here at the end of my tafsir, I usually do a short couple minute dhikr session. Why is that? Because unfortunately, we just, we don't do it ourselves. Like every single thing, we gotta do it through, you know, until someone doesn't force us to do it, until we're not encouraged, until we don't have an environment, unfortunately, we just don't get it done. Those people who do their dhikr regularly, 20, 30 minutes a day, alhamdulillah, they continue doing it. But for the vast majority of the ummah, including myself, we're so weak. We need environments. And that is the reason why I encourage people at home to sit down with your family and do dhikr. You don't have to do it out loud if you don't want to. You can do it softly. But have a time set that everyone sits and do dhikr. Just like we should pray salat with jama'ah at home if you, if you, cannot, if you miss the prayer at the masjid. Only pray at home together. Similarly, after that, I have a time for dhikr. And I think in the, in the, the, the ajib, you know, secular, liberal world that we are living in right now, and Allah consciousness is not there. This, you tell someone, hey, come and pray Isha and Fajr at the masjid. He's going to say, you're crazy, man. I don't even, I don't know. No, I can't do that stuff. You tell him, leave this sin. He says, no way, I'm addicted to this stuff. I can't give this up. All of these things will be hard. My opinion, and inshallah I'm not incorrect, is that if you can get him to do dhikr with you, that's it. Tell him, okay fine, you don't want to pray, you don't want to go to the masjid, you don't want to give up this sin. 
just why don't you join me in vicar? That guy who is drinking, who is involved in zina, who is involved in smoking, who is involved in, we in drugs, he's not going to come and tell you, oh, you know what, I think this is actually, uh, you know, not proven from authentic hadith. Right? That's his, not his issue. Even though it is proven from authentic hadith that Rasulullah did dhikr in so many different ways. And there is a book that I have um, re refer referred you all before, written a compilation by Imam Abdul Hay Laknawi with the introduction and footnotes by Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda rahimahumullah on uh, the virtues of dhikr and the, and the proofs of dhikr done collectively and individually in all forms, out loud and softly. So there are a whole collection of hadith. If you study it, you'll get the answers. So this person, you just tell him, why don't you just repeat after me, La ilaha illallah. Tell him, read it. The chance of him obeying you and listening with you is much better than him sitting and coming with you for Fajr and Aisha. The chance of him doing that than giving up his drugs and zina and whatever else is much better. Start him on dhikr daily. Meet up with him, play ball, do whatever you're doing, and then get him to say, okay, can we sit in the car and do dhikr for a few minutes? Can we sit out on the beautiful you know, lawn outside and do dhikr collectively? Inshallah, I'm confident. Daily dose of dhikr with him or her, right? And her and her, not him and her. Okay? <laughs> Just now you guys take it to the next level. It's like, oh, we got the answer. So, uh, this will be idhni ta'ala, give him the nur of iman, and give her the nur of iman, by which they themselves will say, Astaghfirullah, I'm taking Allah's name a hundred times. How can I go disobey him like this? Everyone knows what they need to do. Everyone knows what they need to stay away from. It's the issue of the willpower, the strength, the tawfiq. That's not there. We all know what needs to be done. We don't need another book to be written. We don't need another website. We don't need another app. Everyone knows what needs to be done and what we should stay away from. The issue is bringing, action, uh, bringing your knowledge into action. That's the hard part. And through the remembrance of Allah and doing dhikr, inshallah, that will become helpful and easy for us. He is the one who pronounces blessings that descend upon you with His mercy. And so too His angels pray for you to bring you forth from the veils of darkness into the light of faith and guidance. For He is ever merciful to the believers. I love why the person brought this. MashaAllah, cold water. So now we're hearing in this ayah the benefits of dhikr. That every time you do dhikr and you pray, you have connected yourself with Allah and you're going to be taking from the nur of Allah Azza wa Jal. You're going to be taking from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's mercy. You're going to be taking from the nur of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's book. When you prayed Surah Al-Fatiha, when you recited an ayah of the Quran, when you performed ruku' and sujood, when you humbled yourself in front of Allah Azza wa Jal, what has happened? It's not going to go in vain. Something's going to happen on the opposite end. You did salah for Allah, Allah does salah for you. Right? It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. You're not going to walk empty-handed. You're not going to go back home empty-handed. You're going to get something. Allah Azza wa Jal is going to pronounce His blessings upon you. Right? What does that mean? Your heart will be filled with sakina, With comfort. With just such an amazing level of uh, peace that you find in the masjid. This is my solution to anyone who says, I got a son who's got problems. Every single day I get texts, 21 year old, 
doesn't want to pray anymore. 22-year-old wants to leave Islam. 23-year-old wants to change her gender. 24-year-old is attracted to the same gender. This is the normal, every single routine. 19-year-old wants to take his life. The one solution I give, bring them to the house of Allah Just bring them. Just, you know, bring them to the house of Allah. Let them sit, even if they don't want to pray. Let them sit. And let everything, you know, let them absorb the environment of the masjid. An environment where people are praying, people are reciting. How nice it was, mashallah, alhamdulillah. We had what, eight, nine, nine sas from, for Maghrib today, right? And with the presence of all the students, we're so blessed, alhamdulillah. I think we have seven, eight sas for dhuhr every day now too. Right? So when you come and you pray with 250 people dhuhr, or 300 people, your, your Maghrib or Isha, and even if you don't pray, you just hear the Qur'an being recited, it cannot leave you unaffected. It must leave an impact. So the answer to all of you who are trying to work on your friends, work on that dhikr that I told you, get them to do some dhikr outside, and then slowly guide them to come here. Guide them to come here, and inshallah wa ta'ala, don't push them beyond that, just come, get, come into the state, come in, and then say, let me tour, an ar- get an architectural tour. And you believe, in a, you b- believe me, I have seen the effect on the hearts of the people during you know, just a tour. Muslims and non-Muslims. Because why? The masjid is a place filled with angels, billions of angels. Billions of anwarat. I remember I went with one, one Skinner scholar to the beach once. In the night. So I, told, I asked him about, you know, yeah, I just, we were just doing small chat. He told me one thing. He said, the job, you know, whatever happens here during the day, the lewdness, the nakedness, whatnot. He said, look it, if sin takes place on the beach, then the jarafim, and the germs of that sin still remain in the atmosphere. And so when they leave from here, also those germs remain. So he, he was mentioning to me that even a place where sin takes place, even if you go after the sinners leave, the nuhusa of that and the evil of that still remains there. And you can get that directly from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Many hadith. That one hadith in which Rasulullah was praying, was, was in, returning from an expedition, and the Sahaba rested, and he rested as well. They were extra, extra tired. And they only woke up when uh, Rasulullah woke up when the sun hit his eyes. Allah wanted to teach us how to perform qada and whatnot, right? How to make up the salah. So the entire crowd missed the salah. Now we know how important it is to make up the prayer as soon as you miss it. What did Nabi say? Move. Do we pray here? He said, no, we don't, we're not going to pray here. We need to get out of this place. This place is no good for us to stay here. All of these people missed their prayer. There's that evil effect here now. Got it? We're going to go somewhere else, do wudu and pray. So that's something to think about. What is the condition of our bedrooms? What is the condition of our houses? If we've, if we've sinned in those rooms, if we've sinned in those houses, you don't think the evil effect is there? If there's people who sin in that home, and that's why, you know, people say it's not good to go and unnecessarily stay in hotels. You have no idea what's happening before you went there and what happens after you leave. So it's not something that is exciting, you know, uh, for a person. It should be because these are places of vice and sin. Even if you go after that, there's wulma that I'm not saying it's haram. None of this stuff I'm saying is haram here. I'm just trying to tell you from a spiritual perspective. Like how people who are on an extremely specific diet, they're gonna be sitting there even in this bottle of water, be checking it out. Right? It's not about halal or haram here now anymore. It's about does it fit the specific diet I've got? So if you wanna if you wanna go on a high taqwa diet, then it's not about who's there and who's not there. It's about what happened in this place. Another story. When Nabi alayhi salatu would pass by Diyar al-Thamud, the, the, the places where 
uh, the previous nations were destroyed. What did the Prophet say? When you pass these places, pass by them, filled with fear and crying, lest you get afflicted by what they got afflicted. Even though that happened thousand years ago. But don't sit there like a tourist. Instead, keep your head down, humble, and run as you pass by these places. Thousand years ago, the adab of Allah came. You do, you, there may be after effects over here. So if that's true for evil, then what about the masjid? Even if a salah is not taking place, you come between dhuhr and asr, you don't think there's some ruhaniya there? You understand what I'm saying? There's spirituality in the air. There's something special. Right? There's something special in any masjid of Allah Azza wa Jal. Where which is alive with a'mal and afkar and things of that sort, students are studying and things of that sort. That's why attach yourself, my beloved brothers and sisters. Attach yourself to the houses of Allah Azza wa Jal, to the places of learning. We're so blessed. I am so blessed. And you are blessed to have a place like this at your doorstep. You go through a spiritual low, I promise you, just come take a tour of the students studying. Come at any time of the day and watch the students in the classroom studying. I promise you, you will feel a change, 100%. Cannot be that you won't feel a change. You're feeling down and depressed. You're feeling hollow and empty. Come to the seminary building and watch the students in the various classes studying. The teacher sitting, teaching hadith, tafsir, or, or fiqh, whatnot. Sit in one of them, listen to a couple minutes, even if it's teaching Arabic. Right? Come to the masjid and watch people praying. And you will see such inshirah. Such liveliness will come into your heart. The darkness will go. I'm, I'm myself, my own experience I'm sharing with you. Because when we travel, even for the sake of Allah, the filth of that comes onto our heart. Because you're meeting all sorts of people. You go into all different places. You, you, know, you interact with all sorts of different people. And the blackness of that, the dhulma of that comes into the heart. And subhanAllah, when, you, when, we, when I see the minaret coming back from the airport, I genuinely feel a difference. For me, this is subhanAllah, my khanqah, my zawiyah, right? And my place of spiritual rectification when I enter the madrasa or enter the masjid. It gives me so much comfort when I sit down in a class. And I say, thank God I have some place like this. If I didn't have a place like this, I don't know where I'd be today. Because I tell you, one weekend of traveling kills you. Imagine if you're always up and about, that's your, 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 your world out, is outside world. Right? What type of evil will have on a person's heart? And for those who are in the corporate world and traveling in dunya every single day, university, look at the condition, you need this. So listen to me and come for your own benefit. Visit your local masjid, visit your local madrasa, sit with the students of knowledge, five minutes, ten minutes. Listen to students reciting Quran in all of the hifz classes that are taking place in our various masajid here. Go sit, five minutes, ten minutes, even if you're not reading, just sit and watch that scene. Just like people go watch the beach. Beach What do you do? What do people like me do? We just look at the water, right? That's it. When we go look at the mountains, what do we do? We don't hike, we just sit there and look. <laughs> right? We're just sitting there looking, oh mashallah, beautiful, you know, mountain. But it's relaxing. It has an effect on the mind. Similarly, look at majalis of ilm and dhikr. Look at gatherings of knowledge and dhikr. Even if you're not involved in it, just sit peacefully, relax, and watch. And you will definitely see that it will have an effect on your heart. Subhanallah. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who pronounces His blessings upon you. وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ And His angels. Alright? So what did the Qur'an say? مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَا نُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاةٌ طَيِّبَةٌ Whoever does good deeds, be he male or female, as long as you're a believer, we will ensure that you get a good life. So, saada and luckiness and happiness and good fortune will come through the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we connect with ourselves with Allah. And then on the other hand, 
Whoever turns his face away from my remembrance, indeed for him is a very stringent, tight life. Becheni, uneasiness, hollowness, emptiness. You know what I'm speaking about exactly. As soon as we deviate from Allah, you just don't feel right. That one day you forget to recite your adhkar. Allah forbid you, don't, you miss your salah. Allah forbid you didn't recite Quran. You know something's different. And that's why we should all be at a level. That you should not fall asleep. I know students sometimes tell, tell me, oh, Shay, I, was, I, was, I couldn't sleep last night. And, the next, and then I realized why I couldn't sleep. Because I hadn't recited my Suratul Mulk. I can't fall asleep. That's the where we should be. That you don't recite your daily surahs. You, you, you know, you just can't go to sleep. You, if you don't recite your Surah Yasin, you just feel awkward at work. Like, what, what went wrong today? Ah, I didn't read my Surah Yasin today. That is a relationship we need to connect with A'mal. A'mal become our nourishment. Some, and, uh, you know, that's just how it is. People who are so excited about their healthy breakfast and their healthy dinner, which is very important. All, I'm for it. it it's so important. And you know that one day you cheated, as they say. And you ate all sorts of wrong things, meaning you know sweets and desserts and whatnot. And you feel at the end, you say, do you all feel good about it? If someone is on a healthy diet, he eats that, you feel guilty, right? You say, man, that was not good. Can't find that. What was the benefit of that? For just my taste buds to enjoy something for 30 seconds, you know, I gained all of this and I ruined myself, my diet. We feel guilty about it. That's the same type of consciousness we need to get for amal, good deeds. That man, mashallah, seven days I didn't miss my tahajjud. Now just, to, just for talking to someone, I went to sleep late and got up late. Astaghfirullah. That will happen. Really, that astaghfirullah, nadama, hasra, sadness will come into us. When we get ourselves on a set routine of, of a'mal. What's the purpose of this salah of Allah upon you and I? What, is, what, what does Allah want from us and what is the natija of this? The result, لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُورِ To take you out from layers of darkness, إِلَى nur to the one and only nur. Ghulumat, as you have heard previously, that in the word darkness in the Qur'an is always used in the plural form. Zulmah is not, comes in the Qur'an, it doesn't come in the Qur'an. Zulmat is the only thing that comes. Zulmatun ba'duha fawqa ba'd. Allahu waliyu alladhin amanu yukhrijuhum min al-zulmati ila nur all of these places Vulumat comes in plural and the nur light only comes in singular always there's no word anwar in the Quran because really hidayah and guidance in Allah's deen is only one there is only one right way Salat al-Mustaqeem and everything else subul subul all the other paths plural subul paths lead you to the various shades of darkness. But nur is just one. So Quran and dhikr will make you gain such basira and such an internal light by which you will be able to navigate yourself out of the layers of darkness and come towards one nur. My, my beloved brothers and sisters, today we are lacking that internal light, what we call firasa. Firasa of iman. The ability to say, you know what, this is a wrong group of people. I can't stay. I shouldn't be hanging around with these people. We don't do that. Why are we always making mistakes? We're, we're good people, but we hang around with the wrong crowd. The youth, you know what I'm speaking about. The musibah that anyone, any of you and I am in, is because of the crew you hang out with. That's all it is. If the day you and I sit up and say, this is a wrong group of people. I need to leave from here. And once I become super strong, I'll, I'll send some people to get these guys out. But right now, this crew is detrimental to me. 
And this is not specific to youth. This is the same thing for adults as well. Whatever level of being you are at today, it's because of the people you hang out with. So if you're at an okay level of deen, a good level of deen, thank your friends and your relatives and those who have encouraged you to be on the path you are in. And if you're not an okay level of deen, it's because you do not understand what benefits you and what harms you. And you're still continuing to hang out with such people who do not have the priorities that you should have. Like I've said before, we should hang out with people. You say Tuesday night is a, is, is a you know, let's go play golf. <laughs> or let's go play bowling. No, I'm not. Tuesday night is the night of tafsir. Absolutely not. That's the type of people you need to hang out with. Every time you invite them to something, they say, no, this is Friday. We, 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 you know, absolutely not. Friday night is a majlis that takes place. Sheikh Hussein's majlis, we're going to go there. Continuously reminding you of what different programs or different good deeds are happening. That is what the nur is speaking about here. If you connect yourself with Allah, Allah will give you the nur by which you will be able to differentiate right from wrong. What does the Quran say? Fear Allah and Allah will teach you. What does the Quran say? Indeed, if you fear Allah, Allah will give you furqan. Allah will give you that flashlight. That will be able to help you differentiate between righteousness and falsehood. That is a result of taqwa. If we have taqwa, you'll get that light. So when Quran says, Allah will send blessings upon you, angels send blessings upon you, what is the benefit of that? What is the end result? You'll be able to guide yourself out of the darkness towards nur. Allah says in Surah Hadid, Allah will give you such nur by which you'll be able to walk. My beloved brothers, I think that the era that we're living in, a fitan, Wherein every week gets worse than the previous week. Every day gets worse than the previous day. Every single minute is more difficult to remain a Muslim than the previous one. We cannot hope to live a mu'min without Allah giving us that nur. Because there's so much confusion. So many conflicting fatwas. So many conflicting opinions of random people outside. And, and different isms are all over the place. It's so scary. And people are slipping and falling all over. We need that nur by which we can walk through this dark night. And that nur will come from only from Allah. And it will come from Allah when we do his dhikr. And when we show our humility and humbleness in front of him. Allah is so merciful upon his servants that he will give you this nur. So if Allah is merciful with us, we also need to show mercy to one another. The Quran and the Nabi said, That indeed the furthest person from Allah is the one who's got a hard heart. The furthest from Allah is the one who's got a hard heart. Don't be harsh with one another. Be forgiving, be merciful. You know, you know subhanAllah. Be merciful with, our, with your spouse. Be merciful with your kids. Be merciful with, towards your parents. If you find yourself in a situation when someone is begging you for something and you say, nope, I don't care, I'm going to say no. That's not good. That's not something to be proud about. You know? Okay, in my house, no one can stand up to me. In my house, my kids, they know better. My wife knows better. Or my husband knows better. My parents know better. Right? So this is not the, 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 the way we need to lead our life. It should be, we should be known as Ra'uf, Rahim. Caring, merciful, loving, that subhanAllah, you can speak to him or her, and they're always understanding. 
So this requires us to check our hearts. What do you think you are? Ask people. Am I approachable? Right? Do you think that if I'm reasonable? Or do you find myself to be harsh, harsh-hearted, harsh-tongued? Sometimes we cannot assess ourselves. You need to ask those who are closest to you. So do that. Ask your spouse. People say, oh man, that's the last thing I want to do. Right? <laughs> but you know what? We're here about self-improvement. <laughs> but you can't speak the truth, can you? How is this clothing looking on me? The husband, a husband may ask the wife, the wife may ask the husband. Similar, because you can't see yourself. So you say, how is my akhlaq? How is my character? Where do you think I need to work on? And I hope we all have such spouses who genuinely love us to death. And will say, you know what? These are the great things. These are, if you allow me to say, these are not the so great things. And then that doesn't ruin the relationship. That's how we should be. We should work. And those of you who are not married yet, inshallah, whenever your time comes, that's the type of wife or husband you're looking for. Who you can have this earnest, real straight up conversation. You know, tell me what, what, what I need to improve on. And with very respectfully, they can tell you and you don't mind. Or you can tell them as well. And they should have this open relationship that we're here to improve. Because the idea is we want to be with each other in the highest levels of Jannah. If you tell your wife or you tell the husband, you know, I will just go for vacation. And if he can afford business class, he can afford a penthouse, he can afford it. Why not? MashaAllah. Well, you know, you don't want to be staying, uh, you know, subhanAllah, in a very dirty one-star one motel. We all, it's not about just going for vacation. It's about getting a nice place. So it's not about just getting to paradise. You want to get to the highest level possible, right? How are you going to get to the highest level possible? Through your character and your akhlaq. That's why as a husband and wife, we need to work on each other's akhlaq, character. And we are, you know, helping each other build. So you're, you're a spouse, if she or he doesn't have this jazba and this desire to improve in their ibadah, in their akhlaq, then bhai, puri zindagi, all your life you've been suffering with the wrong group of friends. And I, 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 I beg my young listeners here who want to get married, Think a million times, guys and girls, before you get married. Think a million times. It's not a joke. You get into the wrong school, you get into the wrong, uh, you know, major. Fine, you, could, you know, what is You wasted one year or two years. You got in the wrong investment. We know people who lost 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. They're alive. They still got food to eat. You will, you will survive it. But you end up getting a wrong spouse. It's hard. Very hard. Because what happens, your dean goes down. Your deen will go away. And this is both for males and females. I'm not speaking only one. You have to choose that guy or that girl who is going to keep your iman and your deen strong. Not strong will push it. Everyone should be looking. This is my, op my genuine uh, opinion to, uh, to boys. Is that when you're choosing a girl, choose a girl that will definitely have more taqwa than you. If you read just your isha and go to sleep, you need to find a girl that prays her tahajjud before she goes to sleep. If you pray tahajjud before you go to sleep, you need to find that one that prays tahajjud in the morning. Because as men, we're different. We're going to be always getting polluted by the outside world in so many different ways. We think different, we act different. And we're going to get a lot of various, you know, the type of people hang out with at work, etc. It has an effect on us. When you go back to your spouse, you go back home, you want to be able to have someone who can actually push you back to where you need to be. Knock some sense into you. Clean you up. But if you go to someone, subhanAllah, who drags you further, then what? Then your base, your home base is gone. Your home, that's your home base. Your home base has got to be guarded. You lose, you lose money at home, you lose all the money in the office. But you come home, at least you want your house to be guarded. Not that the door is locked, uh, broken, windows are broken, and you're safe inside the house is empty. That would be a pretty bad day. 
You lose something outside, fine, but you don't want to lose at home. And who takes, who's the guard at home? Is your wife, is your spouse. She's going to make sure the filth doesn't come into the house. She's going to make sure that your children remain safe. So this is the key thing we need to ensure. If you don't, you will suffer for the rest of your life. Ask me afterwards, off the mic, of all the people who, you know, I've got too many stories of people who are suffering because they made this foolish, foolish decision of marrying someone who is not ahead of them in the deen. It's not about equal. You heard me what I said. Ahead, ahead of you. Ahead of you. Someone who's got more taqwa. Someone who's more careful about the deen. Not necessarily about ilm. But it's about leading a life of more ihtiyat, more taqwa, more tahara. That's what inshallah ta'ala is something very important in us. And now the girls obviously, she, when she's looking, she, that's what she should be looking at. That subhanAllah, I am at whatever level, but I want to find a husband who has also got more ilm than I do. Who will ensure that I make the deci correct decisions. Who will assist me when I'm making mistakes. Who will assist me when I, when, when I, when I make, have to make decisions about our children's tarbiyah. I want a husband that has got more ilm than I do. So when each one is looking for this, mashallah, you'll have amazing things happening. But if we're all, everyone's looking at deciding who we're going to get married to based on, you know, what, Instagram today, then, uh, then of course, mashallah, you know, don't, no point in calling the big sheikh to your wedding because no, he's not going to be able to do anything. No sheikh is going to save your marriage. Okay? It's going to go to the gutters. Already those who are married to the right people, they are having such a hard time to control their marriages. So shayateen are all over the place trying to destroy marriages every single morning and evening all day. Then when there's no sunnah and when there's no a'mal and the basis of the marriage is not deen, you, shaytan doesn't even need to show up on the, on the scene. Yeah. He's like, I already got my khalifa in the house. One of the two. He or she or he will take care of it. So this is, I could speak about this every day. Why can't I speak about this every day? Because if you, if you marry the right person, if more than 50% of your issues of your whole life are taken care of. Seriously, I would not even... Yeah. Nabi Alaihi himself said that. Nabi Alaihi said the one who... You know, marry just half of your deen. If you're married, then just make sure you take care of the other half. At least half is done. Half is taken care of. 50% being complete. Charge. You know when you're charging your phone? 50%, we pull it out, then you gotta run. Oh, 50% till I can move with this. Ah. So you got married to the right, right person, alhamdulillah, 50% done. Now inshallah, the rest of the 50% will take care of it on the go. That's what your expectation should be. When you come to the madrasa, seminary here at Darussalam, you come to the tafsir, or you come to any place, you, what are you looking for? You're looking at the, I want to leave this place educated. Hey, if I'm not going to learn, I'm, why should I sign up? If I am not going to become a stronger Muslim, why do I want to come to this tafsir? If I'm not going to get rejuvenated, why am I wasting my time driving 15 minutes to come here? Yeah? That's the same niyyah you have to have when you're getting married. That this marriage has to protect me from haram and push me closer to Allah. If the first week of marriage, we don't, we're not motivated to go to the masjid, I'm sorry, there's some problem here. Now ask yourself, that person you plan to get married, or you want to get married, is that person going to push you out of the masjid, to home and say, hey, time for fajr, go. If not, then why are you doing that? The whole 25 years of your life, you didn't, you didn't do it. Now this is your time to correct it so that the next 25 years of your life or 50 years of your life, you can lead a proper life. You're still messing it up. You know, we can let it go. Oh, you're young, you didn't understand. 25 years, 22 years you messed up. You didn't go to the masjid, you sinned. But now when you do have a chance to correct it for the remainder of your life, and guess what? For who? Not just you, for your kids, man. You know, innocent little kids. Don't, don't, don't like oppress your little unborn children by marrying the wrong person. Who will then 
raise them improperly and send them straight to Jahannam. Seriously, I hate this. Innocent little kids born to parents who don't care about the deen. It hurts me so bad. Like why did you even have kids if you're not going to practice the deen? And these kids, if they die like this, they're going to go to Jahannam. Whose fault is that? Your fault. Because you didn't want to practice the deen and you said, no, I want to still get married and have kids. Why? If you want to go to hell yourself, Allah forbid, go. But why you take these innocent little souls with you? And that message is for me as well, for all of us. As moms and dads, please have mercy on our kids. Practice the deen and teach them the deen. And if you don't care about the deen, then don't have kids. Because the Quran says, Protect yourself and your family from the hellfire. That's the number one thing we have to do. So when you're thinking about those little kids that you don't have yet, it all goes back to the spouse you chose. The spouse you chose will ensure the direction of your children in the future. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide all our youth, boys and girls, to make the best decision when it comes to their marriage. And may Allah provide for them from His infinite treasures the very best of spouses that will become a strength for them in their deen and a protection from the fitan and a means of them reaching the highest stages in paradise. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Tahiyyatuhum yawma yalqawnu salam. Allah says that on their salutation from Allah, the day they meet Him, will be salam. The day they'll meet Allah Azza wa Jal in Akhirah will be salam. Allah will be saying salam to you. Imagine what a feeling must be when Allah Azza wa Jal says salam because that salam means you got nothing to worry about, nothing to, nothing to be scared about. Peace from me. And Allah has prepared for them a generous and precious reward. Ya ayyuhan nabi. O Prophet ﷺ, Indeed, we have sent you as a witness to all of the world. Meaning, a witness upon your ummah. Nabi ﷺ is a witness on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, I invited my ummah and they believed. These are the people who believed. These are the people who didn't believe. Similarly, Nabi ﷺ is going to be in the ummah of Nabi ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ will be a witness against the previous nations who will say, Nuh didn't come to us. Lut didn't come to us. Come on. They will say such things in front of Allah. And Allah Azza wa Jal will ask Rasulullah and will ask the Ummah of Rasulullah to stand up and speak up. The Rasulullah started crying when the Sahabi was reciting this verse. How will that day be when we will bring witnesses from every nation and we will bring you as a witness against everyone? Nabi Rasulullah's Ummah will stand up and say, Ya Rasulullah, oh Allah, these people are lying. Nuh did definitely come to them. Lut did definitely come to them. And these people will say, where did, where, where did you all show up from? And they'll say, well, we were the ummati of Rasulullah We were the last ones to come, but we had the book of Allah that said all of this. So we have the proof that the prophets did come. So Nabi is shahidan. Wa mubashiran. The Prophet is a giver of glad tidings. Wa nadiran. He is a warner. So mubashiran. He gives glad tidings to who obeys him. Nadira. A warner who disobeys him. And the Prophet والسلام, is a uh, caller and inviter, forewarner, warner to humanity. And a luminous beacon to all nations. MashaAllah. Four qualities of Rasul. Number one, Shahidan is a witness. Number two, Mubashiran, giver of good tidings. Everlasting, a bear of glad tidings of everlasting delight in paradise. Munadira, a forewarner to humanity of Allah's nearing judgment. Da'iyan ilallahi bi'idhni, 
a caller to Allah by Allah's permission, meaning the one who calls towards Allah's ma'rifah, to know Allah, introduce Allah to the people. And lastly, sirajam munira, a luminous beacon, a lantern that shines and fills everyone's heart with nur. So we understand from these verses that the Prophet ﷺ had two responsibilities. One was the aspect of tabligh, of inviting people, sometimes warning them, sometimes giving them glad tidings, both carrot and stick. You gotta do both. And number two is the aspect of tazkiyah, purification of the soul. This is Siraj Munira. That the Prophet ﷺ's responsibility is to purify the soul from all the diseases. Rabbana wa ba'afihim rasula, O Allah, send from amongst them a Prophet who will do the following. Yatlu alihim ayatik, who will recite the verses of your book. الكتاب, we'll teach them the book. And wisdom. And lastly, number four, who will purify them. So one of the main responsibilities of the Prophet ﷺ was tazkiyah. And that is hence the responsibility of the students of knowledge. That as we learn Quran and Hadith and Arabic and this and that, we must become masters of tazkiyah as well. And tazkiyah is not something you write on the board. Tazkiyah is something you implement within your own heart. And your bright heart will then impart that tazkiyah onto other people. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us from amongst those who are able to purify our hearts from all the evil, evil diseases that we are all suffering from. Allah says to the Prophet and give glad tidings to the believers that for them there is a great bounty from Allah awaiting in paradise. Give them this glad tiding, mashaAllah. Right? The deen is about bishara. Let us share good news with people. Let us be genuinely encouraging to people. Let us be at the bearer of good news because I'm sure even the worst person who's committing the most sins, he's definitely done a couple good things, right? Highlight those good things. And say, mashaAllah, what you've just done is something so beautiful. Right? Someone who doesn't pray, but you want to get him to prayer. It's, you're not going to get him to prayer by telling him all the sins of not missing our prayer. Instead of highlight the good things that he's doing and the rewards Allah will give him for that. We like appreciation. We like to think that Allah loves us. And when we hear about how much Allah will give us for the good things we're doing, then inshallah we'll also give up the bad that we're doing. So my dear beloved brothers and sisters, become bearers of glad tidings for the people. Share news of mercy. وَلَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ وَدَعْ أَذَاهُمْ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا And do not obey the disbelievers. Do not, obey the, do not yield to the dictates of the disbelievers and the hypocrites. But rather overlook their harm and rely on Allah alone. For sufficient is Allah as a guardian. Ayah number 48 is where we, we're stopping today. What an amazing ayah. Allah is telling the Prophet that I want, and of course the message is to all of us, that do not obey and yield to the demands and the dictates of the disbelievers and the hypocrites. They will always want to, you to water down the deen. They will always want you to accommodate their weird ideas. The deen cannot accommodate anyone. Acknowledge that you're a sinner, okay. But you want us to change the deen, that won't happen. That cannot happen, because we don't own it. We didn't write the script for it. We cannot change it. But you want to say that I'm a sinner, please make dua for me, one day I'll change. Alhamdulillah, of course, the door is open for everyone, for all the sinners, for all of us. But you, we cannot go ahead and change it. So Allah is telling Rasulullah, do not listen in and obey the dictates and the demands of the disbelievers and the hypocrites. And then, my beloved brothers and sisters, overlook their harm. They're, they're going to get upset, they're going to curse you out, they're going to boycott you, they're going to try to harm you financially. They're going to try to embargo you. They're going to try to do whatever. 
Leave them. Right? Don't allow their punishing you to become a means of you giving second thoughts to changing the deen. SubhanAllah. You are loyal to what Allah has taught you and Rasul has taught you. You're not going to change it. That's not easy. It's not easy to say, um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to change my position on this because I'm following the Sharia, I'm following the deen. Leave it or take it. It's not easy to do that because you might lose your job, you might lose your friendship with someone, you might lose your relationship with people. How are you going to get the guts to do that? How are you going to get the strength to do that? Put your reliance upon Allah. That, that Allah. I don't need anyone's friendship. I don't want any manager. I don't need anyone's money. Allah will provide for me from His infinite treasures. I need to do what's right. So that is tawakkul. When you're going to stand up and speak what's right, you're going to have to expect there's going to be retaliation. So how do you get the strength to be able to do what's right and not worry about the retaliation? Tawakkul. Reliance upon Allah. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا Allah Azza wa Jal is sufficient as a guardian. That's what the ulama say. If you want to be the strongest of people, put your, put your reliance upon Allah. And if you want to be the wealthiest of people, then trust what's in the hands of Allah more than what you trust in your hands. If you want to be the wealthiest and you want to become the most self-sufficient, then trust what Allah has and Allah's treasures more than what you have in your hand. And if you want to become the most honor, honored of people, then fear Allah Azza wa Jal. As the Quran says, Indeed, the most honorable amongst you is the one who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. These are the beautiful qualities that we have studied today. Uh, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make you and I an embodiment of these qualities of khashiya, fear, of dhikr, to be in a constant state of dhikr. I, I, I request you all to keep me in your prayers and we and continue to make dua for all of you as well. Um, we should share and do a couple minutes of dhikr inshallah. Before, and for those of you who are listening here online, I want to share a couple of programs that are happening this week. As we know, this the Ashura is coming on Thursday. We should all be fasting and we should also try to fast one day prior to that or one day after that. So either Wednesday and Thursday or Thursday and Friday. And I request you tomorrow, inshallah, after Salat al-Maghrib, here live and online, we will have a program specifically on the significance of Ashura and the significance of Muharram. What is the virtue of fasting? What is the virtue of this month? So tomorrow after Maghrib, inshallah, Mawlana Farhan Sharif will speak about the historical background of Muharram. People want to know. There's a lot of misconceptions. Oh, can you not get, you can't get married in Muharram, yeah? That's very common, no? People have said that, right? People just said, Patani, look, people forget, no, Muharram, you can get married. So we're going to talk about that. About the issue of marriage and Muharram to everything else, the, the, the various innovations that people have come up with and the history behind that and the virtues of, of Ashura as well. Inshallah, tomorrow after Salatul Maghrib, join us online and, uh, and live as well and share that message with people from our Masjid DS YouTube channel. Additionally, uh, we also have... Um, we also have uh, our Tafim program starting this weekend. So the online classes are starting this weekend. Please benefit from that. This is offered on site and online. All of you who are listening to me online, please benefit from that. Saturday class is going to be History and Development of Fiqh, Introduction to Hadith Sciences and Aqidah Part 1. Sunday is going to be Fiqh of Salah Part 1, Surahs of Salah and Purification of the Heart. Three classes taught over three hours with live instruction Saturday morning or Sunday morning 
and on-site and online for both men and women. Uh, ideal age, I would say, is high school and up. So professionals, working people, college students, and of course, high school uh, students and above. So this is a way, this is a part of our weekend four-year program. It's open enrollment. You can come in any semester. We teach over a, period, a total of 24 courses over a period of four years. And alhamdulillah, this has been going on since 2014. So uh, please join us for that and share this message for people who cannot take full time. They can, they can do that. And then third and last program that I want to remind everyone is our early childhood program that is starting up this coming week. Um, and starts August 17th, ages three and five. There's only, um, I think, six seats left. And what the amazing thing, for those of you who are listening here who have got younger kids, is that not only is it bringing the excellence of math and science and language arts for the little kids through hands-on learning, but mashallah, the teachers all have an ilm background. All of them are either alimas themselves who've got masters in education and five years minimum experience of teaching younger kids, or alhamdulillah, they've studied ilm somewhere, somehow or another. So that's the very the best of both, what you can all desire and wish that your children are learning in a... In a, in a in a small environment, a class of I think only 12 or 14 students, that's it, right? So it's like four children and two, two teachers, the ratio. Such a small ratio. And then teachers who've got that experience and along with that, they've got a dini background. So alhamdulillah, I think this is a great uh, place for you to, uh, to benefit from and allow your children to thrive in this class. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept all of these great programs that have begun. Our Tanweer program, Tadris program began this week. Alhamdulillah, make dua for our students who've, who've joined as well. La ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha illallah. لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم 
continuously. Oh Allah, oh Allah, whatever good was shared, allow us to embody it and share it with others. Ya Allah, grant us istiqamah in our attendance. Oh Allah, grant us steadfastness in our attendance. Oh Allah, allow us to take good deeds and be steadfast on it. Oh Allah, allow our entire communities to take full benefit of these upcoming nights and days of the 9th, 10th, and 11th of Muharram. Oh Allah, allow us all to get our du'as accepted on these blessed days. Allow our fast to be accepted in these days. Oh Allah, allow us to remember ourselves and the entire ummah in our du'as. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifun. Wa salamun al mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة الصلاة Allah 
الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها والسماء وما بناها والأرض وما طحاها ونفس وما سواها فألهمها فجورها وتقواها قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها كذبت ثمود بطغواها إذ بعث أشقاها فقال لهم رسول الله ناقة الله وسقياها فكذبوه فعقروها فدمدم عليهم ربهم فدمدم عليهم ربهم بذنبهم فسواها ولا يخاف عقباها الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله 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 أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين 
إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والليل إذا يغشى والنهار إذا تجلى وما خلق الذكر والأنثى إن سعيكم لشتى فأما من أعطى واتقى وصدق بالحسنى فسنيسره لليسرى وأما من بخل واستغنى وكذب بالحسنى فسنيسره للعسرى وما يغني عنه ماله إذا تردى إن علينا للهدى وإن لنا للآخرة والأولى فأنذرتكم نارا تلظى لا يصلها إلا الأشقى الذي كذب وتولى وسيجنبها الأتقى الذي يؤتي ماله يتزكى وما لأحد عنده من نعمة تجزى إلا ابتغاء وجه ربه الأعلى ولسوف يرضى الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر الله سمع الله لمن حميده
Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله الله أكبر استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو استغفر الله الله لا إله إلا هو الله استغفر الله الله أكبر 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 Many brothers who recently passed away also today, one of the great ulama of India, more specifically Hyderabad, is one of Mufti Muhammad Abdul Mughni. He passed away, rahimahullah, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Let's keep all of our brothers and sisters who have passed away, and especially our scholars in our du'as. May Allah accept all the khidmat and service they did, and may he allow all of their students to remain a sadaqah jariah for them. Bismillah ar-Rahmanullah wa ta'ala salamun ka salamun wa ta'ala 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 اللهم في الحيين وميتين وشاهدين وغائبين وصغيرين وكبيرين وذكرين وانثانا اللهم حيته من نافحي على الإسلام ومتوفيته من نافذة وفاء على الإيمان اللهم في الله مرحمه معفو عنه وادخل من الجنة اللهم نقيه من الذنوب كما ينقث ثوب البيض من الدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم رضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرم من أجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم وأبدلنا وأبدل وأبدلهم دار خير من دارهم وأهل خير من أهلهم اللهم يا حي وقيم اشف مرضانا مرضى المسلمين واشفهم شفاء كاملا دائما عاجلا مستمرا نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم اشف مرضانا مرضى المسلمين سبحان ربك رب العزة ما يصفون سلام عن المسلمين والحمد لله رب العالمين إن شاء الله after the remaining sunnah there will be a visiting jamaa from Baltimore الحمد لله students of knowledge and two scholars uh, with us, alhamdulillah, so they'll be here with us till Thursday. So tonight after Isha, after the remaining sunnah, and also tomorrow evening also after Isha, they will have a short talk. I encourage the students and the musallis who can spare a few minutes to join and benefit, inshallah. Additionally, tomorrow after Salat al-Maghrib, we'll have the Ashura program. The Ashura program, the talk and dinner, uh, or iftar after Maghrib tomorrow, inshallah, Daru Salam here on site as well as uh, on the live stream. Please join us for this important lecture that will discuss the virtues of Ashura and the, and the virtues of the entire month of Muharram.